Hey everybody, I'm Matt. And I'm Anna. And just a quick note about today's episode, we try to keep it at about an hour. This episode went to about an hour and a half, so... Yeah, we, it's long. Yeah, um, but there's a lot of good stuff, uh, important things, uh, the topic we're going to discuss, which you're going to hear in a minute, but... You know, we we just want to apologize. We we didn't mean for it to go this long, and this is part one of two. So in the future, we're going to try to keep it at about an hour if we can. Yeah, there there was just a lot to talk about. This is us editing, so we're we're putting this in here. Um, we apologize. We're going to try and keep it at an hour, but sometimes there's just too much to talk about it. So please don't feel the need to listen to this all in in one go. Do it in chunks. Yeah, take it take it as you'd like it. Make your own part 1 part 2, which would make this part 1 part 2 of part 1 of part 2. Like the Hobbit trilogy, you know, they started off trying to make two no, movies no, and no, then all no. of a sudden there was a third one. We are, we are not the Hobbit trilogy. We are not God, the Hobbit those trilogy. Are so bad. We're, see, uh, we're, we're we're off we're topic. Doing it again. Okay. This is how we ran along last time. I tried to make it pop culturally re- well, it's not even relevant now. Anyways, Enjoy the show. Um, Thanks. Hopefully you listen to the whole thing and we will see you next week. Bye. This is Power and Consequence. Welcome back. How about that? We got intro music. We're, We're upgrading. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Moving up in the world. Yeah. Welcome back to Power and Consequence. We are your hosts. I'm Matthew. And I am Anna. And this is a podcast where we discuss public figures and their propaganda in small, manageable bites. Breaking down propaganda and misinformation is time consuming, so we hope by listening to our conversation, it might inspire others to take a closer look at all the players involved. Uh, Oh, and sorry we missed last week's episode, ran into some planning issues, that's on me. We actually did record one. True. But it was long and meandering. And <laughs> we didn't want to subject everyone to that. During the editing process, we're like, there's no way we can salvage this. This, <laughs> this is not a show. This yeah. Is, you know? This is a non sequitur after a non sequitur <laughs> that is somehow an hour and a half long. And it, it, it's going to go in the vault. So one day, if people want to, like along with the Madison Cawthorn episode. I mean, it wasn't terrible. It's just, it wasn't focused. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So y'all are going to be hearing this a few days after we record, and um, I'm sure there's going to be further developments by the time you hear this, but I mean, we got to just quickly mention the impeachment trial. Uh, Holy shit. Specifically, uh, Trump's lawyers, Castor and Schoen. Hmm. I mean, did you you watch that live that, that you want to talk about meandering? No, I, I didn't watch it live, I, but I, there has definitely been extensive coverage. Right. I don't know what they were doing. I'm no lawyer, but cr- I didn't understand what the hell that Castor was getting at. You're no lawyer, but apparently neither is he. Zing. Yeah, it's just... I it, feel like preparedness for a lawyer is 99.7% of the job. I mean, isn't it literally... And they had nothing. <laughs> I mean, isn't it literally you prepare a case? Isn't that like a word somewhere like in text, you know? Yeah. And I also thought that they did the, uh, an interesting, uh, choice was incompetent lawyer, asshole lawyer <laughs> instead of good cop, bad, bad cop. cop. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? It works. Cause he's going to get acquitted. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, never mind the fact that three of the jurors are meeting with his, with, 
with Castor and Schoen, the defendant's lawyers. I don't know how that works, uh, but whatever. It one of them, doesn't matter. One of them's Lindsey Graham, and he has no backbone, We're so who cares? We're living in the upside down. Or nothing matters. Or this is just the way it always was, and we have better uh, communications. So it's just, this is the way, it, this is just how things are. Yeah, And that's enough. depressing. But speaking of how things are, so... In the context of a historic and historic uh, second impeachment uh, to account for Trump's part in the insurrection, right? Uh, we're going to talk about someone whose professional existence is based on antagonizing his political opponents, uh, telling everyone else what to do, and maybe grifting his own charity, right? Not so, Trump? No, no. Oh, this is more yeah, this charity is, grift. Yes, oh, I'm this, excited. Well, it's the best of all grifts, the charity grift. You it's know? true. People give willingly. So we are going to talk about Charlie Kirk, Charles Kirk of Illinois, the suburban Illinois. Do you know Charlie Kirk? Yeah. Yeah. What do you know about Charlie Kirk, more, more or less? Um, he has too much power for the weirdness that he is. <laughs> are, are you you familiar with his antics, his organizations, his uh, his his what his tactics i'm vaguely familiar okay. with them okay. I, I don't know anything in depth but i definitely know that name he's R kind of like the political karen from what i understand uh that's that's a good description um hold that thought and by the end so by the end of this episode i want to know what you think whether this guy is a grifter or a true believer because we're going to take a journey through his kind of um kind of his his sort of growth so to speak and just to let everyone know this is a this is exciting because this is going to be part one of a two-parter because Ooh. yeah because see what we're going to do today is sort of track very briefly i don't do it justice in an hour um charlie kirk and how he's maybe came to be what he is today and then uh we're gonna the part two is going to be in a couple of weeks because charlie kirk is going to be giving a talk uh in a few weeks and i'm very curious where he's going to go now that trump is no longer president right because you'll see what i'm talking about all right so, so uh there's a lot out there about kirk there's articles there's videos there's kirk's own content right but oh which i'm sure is factually honest there's a lot of jump cuts <laughs> but i want to take a look uh at this through a very specific lens and that lens is the conservative political action conference or cpac are you familiar with cpac yes right so Kirk is going to be one of the speakers featured uh, for this year uh, in 2021. It's going to take place in Orlando, Florida uh, from February 25th through the 28th. It's always Florida. Yeah, this is going to be his third year running as being like a featured um, speaker, but I, he claims he's been involved with this pretty much since he's been politically active, which it may be. I he just was young when he started, Oh, right? we're going to get to that. Yeah. yeah, we're going to get to the sort of origin story of Charlie. So, uh just real quick, for those of you who don't know what CPAC is, just very, very briefly. Um, the Conservative Political Action Conference, first one took place in 1974. Um, it was created by the uh, American, let's see, the American Conservative Union. Uh, basically, the the GOP got thumped in 64. Um, Goldwater, even though that was, you know, the primary itself was interesting. But in the general election, I mean, Johnson just took it home. And anybody objective knew that was going to happen yeah but the gop could not accept that so in part um they decided that and you know also the gop at this time in the mid-70s was disappointed with nixon because he wasn't conservative enough you know he wasn't like hawkish enough with china the soviet union hence the the 
I would say like the the rebirth, if you will, of Reagan. So to speak. And Reagan, by the way, gave the gave an address at the very first CPAC. And that was his first nationally covered version of America as a, a city upon a hill when he's he's riffing on John Winthrop. Was he um He was governor of California. California. Okay, that was gonna be my question. Yeah. And and it's said that CPAC was founded kind of among other things on the principle of organizing um conservative activists, hence action in the term. But they their thing was they didn't want uh, candidates to compromise on hard conservative issues just to get elected. So that's how they started was on principle. And even if I disagree mm. with that principle, it was about ideas, not people. Now, the CPAC of today has nothing to do with that in particular. Yeah. See, because because of the rise of Trump, you see. It's a shell of itself. So that's, that. like, they're, they're not even close, right? So, and just as a by the way, the other speakers for this year's CPAC include Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Dan Bongino, Marsha Blackburn, Paul Gosser, uh, former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, uh, Christy Noem, who is the South Dakota governor and also possible candidate for a 2024 presidential run. Okay. And all people who are publicly down with Trump. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's what CPAC has become. Okay. And, um, you know, it's also like about hawking products, but we'll get to that in a second. I was so, about to say, it's definitely about that, yeah. that making that money. So that's very, very, very quick overview of CPAC, right? You could probably do a whole dissertation on them, but getting back to Kirk, right? Kirk worries me. Okay. And, and to understand why he worries me, we, we have to go through his idea you know, some idea of his rise to prominence as a propagandist. Again, there's way too much to cover in an hour. There's way too much to cover in five hours with Kirk. So I'm not going to do this justice. Uh, but I would like to thank uh, Professor Matthew. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. It's spelled B-O-E-D-Y, Bodhi or Body. I'm going to say Bodhi. I say Bodhi. Because it was Professor Body. I feel like I'm playing Clue or something. You know, Professor Body debunked Charlie Kirk in the living room with his laptop or something. <laughs> Which he which he definitely does. He he's got a lot of medium articles that were very helpful. He includes all of his source material, extensive writing. Um, so thank you to uh Professor Body. Bodie. So, Bo Bodie, yes. Thank you. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so thanks, Professor Matthew. How about that? <laughs> so um yeah, people like to dunk on Charlie a lot because he does stupid things, including a tweet where he, he doesn't know how to do math. He did that one where he's talking, basically, I don't know if he wrote it or if he just retweeted it. It's like during the election, he's talking about how um, Trump won way more counties than Biden. Yes. Right? And, and then, it and, was oh. pointed out repeatedly that, yes, he won more counties, but... W less populous oh, counties by far i think like the counties that biden won was something like 60 percent of the population or something like that so yeah and it's just like it just went on and on and on like people just shredded him for that but that doesn't matter because that's not what charlie's i about. mean if your closest neighbor is acres away from you literally that's way different from if you us living in a city <laughs> where we share the same building with a hundred other people if you measure the distance to your neighbor in acres instead of blocks right that instead of feet are you kidding me <laughs> have you ever lived in an apartment oh common walls they're great so um, Charlie's whole thing, his identity, everything is about being on social media, being on, you know, YouTube, whatever. I mean, video that that's his big thing. So one of the earliest videos I came across, right? It was some sort of an event on YouTube, uh, for a group that Charlie started called SOS Liberty. 
Okay. Because what you have to understand was that this was in early 2012 and Charlie kind of came up like on the coattails of the tea party movement. Yeah. A lot of his early benefactors were these guys. Right. And it's interesting to see him then as an 18 year old. Um, so the, the video is a couple of minutes long. It's on the SOS Liberty, um, YouTube page. Feel free to check it out. And it's entirely, there's a lot of jump cuts. So, he, it's him speaking like one of his compatriots, Mike something or other, doesn't matter. But before Charlie speaks on the stage, it's like a like a shitty home video. It's a student project. Uh, former uh, U.S. Representative Joe Walsh, okay, of Illinois, does a little intro, okay? Remember this guy for later. And I apologize, by the way, for the lousy sound uh, and also the music. I did not add this music, so. Hey, I'm going to pull my congressional card here real quickly. <laughs> I love these two. Listen to me, listen to me. Every time I get on an airplane, every Monday, and fly to Washington, I got a big old frown on my face. Because I just dread what's going on in Washington. Generally, they don't get it. When I come home, and I listen to two guys like this, two young men like this, my smile is from that side of the room to this. Talk about these two, listen to these two. This generation is what we're fighting for. They get it. So yeah, that was Joe Walsh. Okay, oh, I don't like jo- that. He I wa- didn't like anything about that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about that. Joe Walsh was was and really is a Tea Party guy. Okay, big time. You know, I vaguely small remember government. that dude. Yeah, yeah, he was from Illinois, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he's not a nice guy. He's not a hero of this story, but he's important for what comes later and kind of exemplifies how far Charlie's come. So keep Why this guy they, in mind. I'm sorry, I, I'm distracted by the music. Why did they pick that music? Yeah, you know what that is, right? That's Rudy. That's the that is the big score from Rudy. I I now again, I, I don't want to dunk too hard. Wait, on this. is what umg gonna come after us because of that no no we're using no this is commentary okay no no (laughs) i don't know man they those guys are scary no they dude they have bigger things to deal with than us come on you'd you'd be surprised well you know i'll I'll, anyway i uh, just i i think the part that really stuck out to me was him just being like these two young men oh yeah so keep that in mind yeah you you got it you got it and that's that's how that's how they're teeing this guy up uh and by this guy i mean charlie okay and again i reminder he's 18 at this point yeah all right he life experience compared to others is not much but compared to other 18 year olds he's still you know to be fair to him he's still kind of figuring out who he is we all were at 18 okay and this guy's being being teed up by a fucking u.s representative okay that's the type of people who he's got all right so just keep that in mind so this is some of kirk's uh comments from that uh what is it i believe that was from this student project yeah this was uh, april of 2012 some of my best friends are liberals that like declared european socialists and that might surprise me but i can talk to them find some kind of ground and you can get to them fiscal responsible basis so that's something that we said here a lot of people that are gravitating towards our group are not necessarily conservative people. They're liberals, the people that voted for Obama and say, you know what, I'm tired of trillion dollar deficits. I'm going to step up. I'm going to say, I was wrong, I'm going to join your cause. Washington every day is trying to get their hand further and further into our lives. Saying you can depend on the government. That's what Obamacare is all about. At SOS Liberty, we, again, fiscal responsible, not only in the government, but to live your life that way. That you're not going to run out of credit card debt. You're not going to buy something you can't afford. 
So a couple things. You heard him mentioning Europe. Okay, you got to keep in mind, this is during the year, as you know, the Eurozone crisis. Yeah. Right? And like multiple countries are like defaulting on their debt. IMF loans are getting called in. It's just, it's bad all around. It was, yeah. it was eventually quote unquote solved, you know? Uh, I mean, you know, Europe still exists, obviously. <laughs> Brexit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, there you go. But that is, uh, that. so that's Kirk. He's early on, he's very like, har- he's very harping on economics. That's everything to Kirk. yeah That's it's, it's a familiar talking point right and 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 you know we know it's not neutral um because we know how economics can can and does harm marginalized groups we know this yeah um a simple way of i don't know sort of addressing that is to i don't know stop giving trillions of dollars to the dod and start investing in infrastructure and humans so you you probably Kirk would have eighteen year old Kirk would have been with you until you said stop. He would have been like with you stop giving money, but then when you said DOD because that's a classic thing like you got to have the military right. Yeah, but we already outspend Russia. Well, you, we outspend the next like couple ten countries. Yeah, combined, and, and I think almost all of them are technically allies. By yes, the way. yeah, there's still millions of dollars, probably I would say billions of dollars of waste. That well, our, our military does. Well, as you know, I've told you this story. Uh, for those of you who don't know, like uh, mentioned, I am a military veteran. And when I was deployed, we had one guy. I don't know how universal this story is. Uh, tweet at us if, if you've got a similar story. One guy was injured. And so he was back at base camp when we were deployed in Afghanistan. And his job at one point was to burn unused equipment to the tune of millions of dollars because if we gave the equipment back we wouldn't get that money in the budget for like any budget right cost plus spending right we just burn it uh so he burned millions of dollars worth of, like lockpick kits why, why would you need lockpick kits you know we're not spies but anyways yeah that but that's my point you know that's one guy literally burning taxpayer money yeah pretty much being funded by the taxpayers right Right, and I think the discretionary fund for uh, the military is like hundreds of uh, hundreds of billions of dollars. Right. So my point. So Kirk, uh, you know, he continues on, and he um, he keeps talking about you know what he's going to do, and then he kind of hints it at what he becomes towards the end of the uh, the clip, um, like a technique using social media, and kind of sort of predicts something, or at least parrots something that he's been told. On April seventeenth which is this year's tax day because April 15th is on a Sunday. We're asking every single patriot that's on our Facebook page or most of us to do 17 things of action. That could be as simple as writing an email to a congressman. Now, every single patriot on our Facebook page, which is about 600 or 700, did that, our voice will be heard. And that can spread. That's the power of Facebook and Twitter and all these online networks. We can get our voice to be heard. That's the power of Facebook and Twitter. Mm-hmm. Now, 2012, it's hardly a revolutionary thought. It's established at this point but, yeah you know that that is that's going to be kirk's bread and butter is and and a lot of these propagandists which is what he eventually he kind of is then but less harmful i'd say so to me he's smacking more of libertarian than conservative yes you okay. got it exactly um and and you're, you're going to hear this in this next clip you see what's interesting about kirk best i can tell is see he um how do i put this 
I'll give you a great example. Sorry. So Kirk was actually published around this time, okay, um, on Breitbart.com. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, and and his article basically, and you can, I'll link it in the show notes as always. Uh, Kirk Paragon much, of yeah. journalism. Oh, my God. That it is. Uh, Kirk complains uh, in this little thing about his economics textbook at school and how it's not quote unquote objective. And Kirk argues that supply side economics of Reagan are not being given a fair shake. Um, yeah 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 and and it's like this is from the art this is from his bright oh baby we tried that yeah well and that's pretty much what everyone says but he does the he does the you know other people uh approve of supply side exist as if to say like like climate change like some scientists say that it's bullshit so climate change you know the science is in even though it's like 98 percent of scientists science is in dude science is in so he so kirk is using this strategy early on and this is from his article, right? Quote, our public education system is supposedly one without bias, a place where any student can come and learn without any form of partisanship. Which is also just not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, but not in the way he's thinking. Instead, our classrooms are slowly becoming political lecture halls with teachers being pawns to further the doctrine of liberalism and air quotes, equality. So that's his big thing. So he basically pissed his pants in rage about the 1619 project didn't he uh, oh yeah well you know we'll, we'll, we'll get to that you're getting you're getting ahead of me but uh, saw that one coming yeah yeah and, and there's anecdotes from like classmates from his time that said you know because kirk likes to be like oh this is part of my origins i was challenging these people since i was a teenager and pe- some people who went on the record who knew him back then said that most people just kind of rolled their eyes and he's exaggerating As yeah. teenagers are going to no do. yeah no yeah. no quote socialist uh marxist teachers ever threw him out of class or any crap like yeah, that i mean that's <sighs> no that's nonsense so and as part of his article to sort of make a point he mentions a lot uh, he mentions of like two or three um professors or economists who approve of supply side economics you know the reagan trickle down effect and all that stuff you deregulate you lower taxes people thrive as or as robert reich would say you re-regulate because it's not deregulation exactly shout out to the man robert reich the only what octogenarian septuagenarian i think he's he might be 80 Yeah. yeah so the only the only true one in my heart right right yeah robert reich was not (laughs) i like that Robert Reich, uh, the octogenarian of Anna's heart, was not mentioned in Kirk's article, but of course not. But there was another guy, Arthur Laffer, right? He's cited as an as an economist that Kirk says, "Oh, see, this guy believes in supply side." So I just did a quick Google search. One person agrees with me. Arthur Laffer is been, you know, he's he's sort of associated with a concept called the Laffer curve. It's the idea that on you know if you tax people enough and it, he didn't invent this it's old if you tax people enough uh, at a certain point your your um your output right the revenue that you get back is going to go down because people are being taxed so high right that okay so it, it, that's a very simple way of, of looking at it and laffer was involved in in political rhetoric um like in the 60s and the 70s but then his idea was introduced to reagan so to say that laffer you know, believes in supply side economics, you know, vis-a-vis Reagan, that's stupid because he's the one who came up with the idea sort of, or got the idea popular for Reagan. So the fact that Kirk is mentioning Laffer, the guy who kind of gave the idea to Reagan as a guy who believes in the idea that Reagan used is stupid. Yeah. So instead of, and I know he's 18, but like, come on, man. Instead of introducing it as like the economist that Reagan used, Correct. This Correct. he's introducing it as 
the economist agrees with Reagan. Yes, that's how okay. he frames it. So yeah, so that that's Kirk. And again, I'll forgive him to an extent because he's 18, but he had backers. Okay. So somebody should have gotten a hold of the kid and proofread that thing, maybe, but whatever. He's 18, I'll forgive him a little and bit. And this has been posted on published on Breitbart. Correct. It's still oh, up. No one checks. It's still up. Yeah. No one checks on Breitbart. Yeah. Well, you know what people do check on is Fox, um, Fox and Friends and Fox News and all that shit because he was later that year, he was on uh, Fox several times. Okay. For his SOS Liberty. Exactly. Which is it's him. Just so dumb. Him and a couple of friends. So this is, uh, this is Kirk and two of his compatriots uh, talking on Fox and Friends on, I believe it was May 21st of 2012. The generational theft. Charlie, in what way? How are you being ripped off as a young person? Well, you know, when we graduate, just real quick, his, his, one of his compatriots was talking about the generational theft and all this. She's going back and forth between the three of them. From high school this coming June, we're handed a diploma. That's also an invoice for hundreds of thousands of dollars that my generation's going to have to pay up through interest, high taxes, and a stagnant economy. We here at SOS Liberty believe that if we do not change the conversation back to us, the kids that are going to have to inherit this debt, that our economy will be stagnant for years to come. And our website, we have really interesting things. We have uh, videos, pictures, trying to inspire the youth, SOSLiberty.com, that has a wide variety of youth from all across the country jumping onto our, our cause. So again, economics. Just... Oh, okay. So he's meaning at we are inheriting the deficit. Correct. Okay. And he's, and he's here's the thing. He's I'm not sorry, wrong. but how he, how he phrased it, it yeah. sounded like you graduate high school and then you get handed a bill. Well, and that's... And I was like, yes. uh, I went to public school. I didn't get any of that shit. <laughs> exactly right and, and, and you know I, mean, I was like that was college charlie <laughs> yeah oh christ anyway and, yeah well then he should have just gone with george soros and gotten his soros check right see that would have well, solved he's it. getting his Koch brothers check oh my god or his prager money actually it's probably prager money huh yeah well um there, there's definitely dark money being funneled to him but we will get to that in just a moment but it's important to remember that he does multi Kirk does multiple appearances in 2012. And, you know, obviously the, the presidential election is happening that year. It seems like this is a big year for him. It, it is because that this is his big coming out, you see, because he's 18. He never went to college. Okay. And that comes up a little bit later, especially. Yeah. Funny, right? Well, I, I mean, on some level, that's, I'm not saying it's admirable, but it's impressive because a lot of people do need um need college degrees you know but i i feel like that kind of trips him up every now and again especially when he talks about economics it, yeah i mean you anybody i here's the thing with kirk and his ideas his ideas are are, are tea party like libertarian ideas you you caught talking that. points yeah. but it's engineered for young people you see and at 18 he's about as young as you can get before you to to talk about these things before you're breaking like child to labor laws be fair um some of my male friends when we were younger, about that age, were kind of flirting with the idea of libertarianism. Um, again, when they were younger, when it was about 2012 or so, like about the same time, um, because I think it was positioned in such a way of, you know, freedom and liberty, sure. which is obvious the way Charlie's talking about it. Yeah. Um, Obviously, they're not like that now. Well, they grew up. Yeah, you know I exactly. Mean, now they're socialists, which is... De socialists are like democratic socialists. 
You mean like hardcore? Like I would say socialists. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Because I mean, well, I mean, I'm one a big, for all, all for one. I mean, I'm a, I, I mean, I'm obviously a big fan of social programs, like as a concept. You know, I understand there's downsides to every form of government. And and what you know what really gets me, and I've told you this, what gets me is when government workers who are who's whose uh, jobs are, are, you know, they're being paid with public funds and then they complain about taxes and taxation in general. Not even like, hey, these taxes are being wasted and the taxes are too high for what we get back. I'd agree with that. No, like, and I agree with that. When people say, I don't want to pay my taxes, I totally understand where they're coming from because they don't see the tangible benefit of where their tax dollars are going. Exactly. If you walk down your street and there's potholes, you're like, what the hell am I paying my taxes for? Of course. If you send your kid to a public school that's underfunded, what the hell am I paying my taxes for? Right. On that level, I understand it. But and 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 as do I. But the problem is, it with a lot of people, we're all working so much and we're so busy. It, we don't really have the time or the inclination to really dive deep into the 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 bigger picture of how things got the way they are vis-a-vis -vis uh, revenue and and how it's spent, tax revenue and how it's spent, and also, uh, you know, what can be done to remedy that. Right. Because there's a whole I mean, that's there's a whole lot of issues. I mean, it's the, that's like remaking the whole system at this point. So I get that. So, yeah, I mean, that that's kind of what Kirk is talking about at this point when he's 18. You know, he's just talking about, you know, the failing economy and stuff like that. And, you know, framing it as, you know, kids are the future and all this stuff. And they're going to be left holding the check. And, you know, he continues on and he talks more about the failing economy. But this next clip shows that he, he starts to get less um, hyperbolic um or or general and theoretical and he's, he relates at home and this kind of like tips like where he is in his life like his level of privilege you are still in high school how does it relate to you what you might face are you worried about what you might face in the future well it's very relevant i mean just for an example i'm having a trouble finding a summer job as is mike in a lot of different regards a lot of kids are feeling the effects of what we like to call you know with the washington economy with a lot of debt uh, plummeting small business with higher regulation and high taxes we're just trying to reinstitute the founding principles free market fiscal responsibility sos liberty is a nonpartisan. we don't consider this a republican versus democrat issue but rather a generational one so you caught that right Nonpartisan. It's not about Republican or Democrat. So he's he's hitting that libertarian line pretty hard. Yeah, you know, we appeal to everyone. But that's the well, yes, yes, and we know what that's code for. And he's talking about he can't find a summer job. I'm like, it's like you don't. It's like, dude, you grew up. Kirk grew up in the suburbs, right? He was not, as far as I can tell in any interviews he's given, he's never said like, oh, times were hard for us growing up, you know, which is fine. He admits that he had a relatively comfortable uh, existence, right? Uh, he kind of, he riffs a little bit talking about, um, you know, a 2008, the financial crash and that, uh, you know, that affected his family and affected a lot of families. I mean, I can, I can relate to him on that regard. But the, the whole summer job thing and also the nonpartisan thing. You know, that was the essence of Charlie Kirk, at least on TV back then. Yeah, I mean. that Representing ideas, not political um, parties and definitely not political candidates necessarily. Again, and yet if you think about who he's talking to, it's very political. Yes, yes. But at least he, he he's not going on Rachel Maddow's show. And I, I think it sort of touches on the fact that you know, fiscal responsibility, that, that is like a, that's a talking point of the GOP, not the Democratic oh, Party. Oh, yes. Yeah, that's, that is Cause, a... Because fiscal, yeah, fiscal responsibility uh, yeah. is code for cut taxes, 
effectively. And that's that's a big thing. And don't spend on social programs. Right, exactly. You know, privatize everything, you know. Which is dumb because we need laws around clean water and clean air. Thank you, Nixon, a uh, Republican, by the way, but... You know, they... Well, that was before having a livable environment was a political issue. Yeah, well, it's a political issue if you can afford to live in like your own private biosphere on Mars after you take your SpaceX ride with Elon Musk. I think is yeah. Pretty funny sure how all the billionaires want to flee to space. Yeah, the with Kirk, you know, he sticks to his guns back in 2012, and it's all economics. And later on in the year, uh, October 20. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess I think what's missing from his conversation is that economics can be violence. And again, I'm not I'm I'm quoting so many scholars of color right here. Right. You know, right. Um, but that's I feel like what gets missed when a lot of white people talk about economics. It It's very highbrow and, you know, it mentally stimulating, whereas um you know, environmental racism, underfunding of public schools, uh, the COVID crisis, you see how it disproportionately impacts people of color, those kinds of things. Economic is literally life or death. Like yeah. economic programs are literally life and death. Well, yeah, and this yeah. gets left out when you say that it's apolitical. Well, and in Kirk's case, he, he again, he shows his hand because he's talking about he can't find a summer job. And that's it. Like for him, finding a summer job is like, oh, I, I need to work in an office of a law firm for somebody who can give me a recommendation for something. That's his version of a summer job, I think. And right? also, if he knows a congressperson, he can find a summer job. Well, that's so. So he was sort of plucked. You see, um, he. This is his job. That that's his job. What he's doing right there. Oh, you see? Yeah. You see? Huh. Yeah. No. 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 So him trying to sell that is bullshit because he got plucked um, at a young age. Because here's the thing: whatever else you want to say about Charlie, and I can say a lot, he does have a certain stage presence. I don't deny him that. There's a reason he was chosen, right? Uh, I hadn't of, even thought about that. Well, one of his big benefactors was a guy named uh, Bill Montgomery. Okay, Bill Montgomery. He was he met Charlie in 2012 and. According to a few articles, it's anecdotal, but, you know, he says that he was the guy who saw Charlie speak at some minor event and told Char Kid Charlie then, it's like, hey, you shouldn't go to college. You need to form an organization, meet and reach young people and talk about these libertarian talking points. And he sticks to that. That's his origin. And that's where he goes with it. And even on Fox later on that year, which is what I was getting at, one of the hosts, or I forget this guy's name is, but he tries to bait Charlie into getting into social issues instead of economic issues and um believe it or not he does uh kirk doesn't or charlie doesn't go for it um just for clarity uh, the question at hand in this interview is why are young people voting for obama and not you know a gop candidate and charlie's talking about economics because that's what he does and the host tries to reframe it as a social thing and charlie's reaction is kind of interesting Social issues are more important to young people rather than tax and economic and job issues. They're more important because they, they're very much in line and in tune with gay marriage, very much in tune with uh, abortion policy for the president, and very much in tune with free contraception for all women. I think that's why a plurality votes for the president. You agree? 
I would agree to an extent, correct. And I also think that the Republican Party has not framed it in economic terms as well as they could have. They have attempted to make it about the debt and the deficit, but they need to even go a step further and say, this economy is in shambles, our fiscal house is not being balanced, and the generations of tomorrow are going to have to pay off trillions of dollars of debt before they're even able to cast a vote. And I think you're correct. The younger generations look at certain issues and they say, oh, well, I support gay marriage, therefore I have to support the president. But if we're not balancing our budget, Marriage should not be the number one issue in this country. We have to balance our budget and understand the fiscal calamity that this country is in before. And I, I would agree that the younger generation at time would vote more at a social side than rather fiscal side. And we have to make them understand the fiscal issues. So the host tries to reorient the conversation around social issues such as, you know, gay marriage. Right. And again, this is 2012. I think that's Varney. Is that it? It is. Yeah. yeah Varney okay. and Co. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And but you see that Kirk acknowledges it, but he then pivots back to economics, which is I found that very interesting considering where he's going to go with this. Like he he's he, trying to keep it apolitical. He, yeah. And, and I I'm not going to say I can respect him for that, but at least I understood where this guy was coming from. And relative to what, you know, political discourse in the U.S. can become, he was relatively not as harmful as as future Charlie. Right. Because, man, things take a turn. OK, um, he, you know, he, he forms Turning Point USA uh, with co-founder <laughs> Bill Bill Montgomery, the guy who I told you about earlier. There's a lot to cover. In, in that. And I just, we don't have the time. It, it's the ego to his star Lord. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, turning point USA, you know, you, you know, their, their, their tactics, they'll, they'll, they'll booth, they'll set up booths on campuses. Um, they're technically, I believe a 501 C three, which means they're a charity, which means by law, they're supposed to be nonpartisan. Number one, uh, and change my mind stuff like that they're not supposed to do work officially for any one candidate or anything like that right oh Believe that it? is I, not well, a thing well, yeah well, so yeah, they don't they in a legal money sense they probably don't but we know what's going on and it's just like whatever i mean charlie kirk created a sister organization for trump later like to be for trump but uh turning point usa uh to say that they're no stranger to controversy is selling it lightly or selling yeah. you know is putting it lightly uh, just a couple of highlights. Uh, there was someone named Crystal Clanton. She was a high-level uh, Turning Point USA employee for years, and she left after uh, texts text messages were leaked showing her talking about hating black people, right? She's so just like, I hate black people. I hate them all. You well, know? in 1978, God changed his mind about black people. Yeah, that's funny, you know, because speaking of uh, speaking of sea changes and stuff like that, that was a quote from the Book of Mormon the I, musical, by I, the way. I, I don't think Charlie's a Mormon, but he is a self-styled evangelical. So he invokes God later on, right? But the thing about his his old compatriot, Crystal Clanton, after she left uh, Turning Point USA, you know who hired her? Uh, Jenny Thomas. You know who Jenny Thomas is? Oh, Clarence Thomas's wife. Got it. Yeah. So the, And this is after all this I hate black people stuff came out, you see? And Jenny Thomas was like, yeah, come with me. They, there's, they pictures went up on social media and all that stuff. So that's, that, that's how the right wing. Well, sort Jenny of... Thomas also thinks that those who stormed the Capitol were patriots. Right. So, so there you go. Yeah. In November. Yeah. Uh, also in November, 2016. And again, this is a huge, huge kind of like overview. There's a lot that you could talk about Charlie for, but in November, 2016, Kirk and Turning Point USA or you know, they launched a website called Professor Watchlist. Yeah, you know this one. So, boo! It just the just the sound of whatever that it. Yeah, 
Uh-huh. Getting a robocall in the middle of a recording yeah. there. Damn it. Yeah, the professor... Ugh, profesh, professor. <laughs> there we go. Why can't I say that? Um, the professor watch list sounds... Scary? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, honestly, I suppose if you're on Charlie Kirk's watch list... You're probably doing something right. Well, uh, so funny you say that. So full disclosure, uh, Professor uh, 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 Bodie, right? Body. Mr. Body. Yeah. <laughs> Professor Matthew. Uh, <laughs> he actually disclosed that he is also on Charlie's watch list. So, and I just want to say like one, so if you're being totally objective about this under normal circumstances, you could make the argument that perhaps this professor who's written extensively on debunking Charlie Kirk, he just, you could say that, oh, he just has an ax to grind. But here's the thing. Charlie Kirk's whole business model is antagonizing um, professors and anyone on a campus that doesn't think the way he does. So that, I mean, that would leave me with nobody to talk to who is a critic of his. I, I love it so much how <laughs> there's that, that delicate balance of you know us being for everyone and apolitical and then being like but because you don't think exactly the way i do fucking rotten hell yeah pretty much that that's more or less what charlie would say if he could get away with it um but charlie is uh smarter than that you know um that's how he's lived that's how he's lived politically this long this is directly by the way speaking of careful language this is the from the professor watch list website quote the mission of Professor Watchlist is to expose and document college professors who discriminate against conservative students and advance leftist propaganda in the classroom. Um, it does go on to say that it, you know, while it accepts tips, um, it won't it won't feature anybody who wasn't reported by an independent, credible source. But then it, it doesn't really talk more about what that means. Uh, it could it could be Breitbart. It could be, the, <laughs> it could, I, I don't know who he finds credible. I'm sorry. I mean, he probably does obviously cause he's been published on it, but sure. any bright part is not a news source. It's an opinion source. Yeah. Um, there, there are like things, bad things have happened on college campuses and Charlie Kirk has been a part of that directly or indirectly. Like, uh, death threats and harassment, right? So these types of things have happened. Um, professors will say things or tweet things and then, you know, people, you know, students will get, you know, the uh, social media catches up on it. Uh, Charlie Kirk will tweet about it. They'll get, the professor will be on professional watch list and then actual people will then, you know, issue threats or physically harass or something, right? And people have asked Kirk about this. And when it comes to death threats and harassment of uh, professors, Kirk basically says that it's not his website, um, but the professors themselves who bear responsibility for the consequences of their words. That's wow. I'll, 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 I'll link that article. That's like directly from, from the, you article. know what this reminds me of um, Ben Shapiro, when it's been pointed out that multiple shooters, mass shooters have frequented his specific twitter profile yeah we're talking about like multiple times a day and him being like oh well that's not my fault yep pretty much pretty much this is a this is a quote from charlie uh quote we do not call for any that sort of harassment we don't condone it we don't try to facilitate any sort of cyberbullying or harassment and just because you put up the words or another article that's been written about a professor in an aggregated format does not mean we should be held responsible for what other people do 
translation, yeah, we amplify these claims and we know who we're talking to. And now you've made us aware of the possible results of that. But not only do we not bear responsibility, we're going to keep that website going because that website launched in 2016. It's still up. You can check it out right now. Yeah. Um, in this day and age, you cannot claim. I mean, you can claim that you had no responsibility for your what your followers do which to some level is correct but you can also explicitly tell them not to go and spread hate on the internet and i assume that he never did that it, uh, maybe he did but i would say it's lip service again there's too much content on kirk for us to cover in well oh just for our listeners, we're going to run a little long today. Stick with us. Trust me, you're going to want to wait till the end. Um, his his uh, CPAC speech from 2020 is quite a thing to behold. So moving on. Yeah. So Kirk, by 2016, right, he's kind of let go of any type of nonpartisanship. He's going all in for Trump. And he gives uh, some he even gives some brief remarks at the 2016 Republican National Convention. And this is sort of the beginning of like Charlie Kirk 2.0. When you look at the Democrats, they embody old school corruption and who has been there the longest. We believe in opportunity for all and our party reflects that. We're the party believes <laughs> that believes in meritocracy and individual liberty and hard work can truly succeed. Yeah. We have right. college campuses across the country. The only way we're gonna take back the youth of this country is to storm them and that is how we're gonna make America great again. Thank you so much. Yeah, that, huh. yes, that word, that doesn't age huh. very well does it <laughs> hits differently here yeah, in yeah, yeah. Uh, february of 2021 yeah so that's at the rnc and that was reportedly the night that he met uh i believe donald trump jr and it really took off from there after the after the 2016 rnc kirk was all in he did some work on the campaign as a private citizen not as tpusa um not that that mattered because i mean you know trump ended up like um, giving talks like president then president trump at like multiple uh turning point events um donald trump jr also at multiple turning point events which are also fundraisers but not eric know. i i don't know maybe he did. no I, I, actually i think uh laura trump was involved in some way too so he after 2016 he was inextricably linked to the trumps even though he started out with these tea party ideas of ideas not candidates right but he's he's forgotten that entirely that's gone or maybe he was never that way and he just figured that he was safe after trump was elected and he was just like i'm just gonna go for it i think that's one of the interesting things that you've done when you're arguing with people mm -hmm. is you you literally tell people to take the candidate out of it and try and debate me on the ideas that yeah. the candidate has yeah because i I think that that's something that we've noticed, especially about Trump. It's all about personality. It's not about really the ideas because there are people who will literally die for Trump. Yeah. But they can't tell you, you know, why they support his economic policies or what he actually accomplished, not just what he says he accomplished. Yeah. It's basically like, I just want to call people the N words without being called racist or, so. or, you know, something yeah, like that, or even less direct as um like what you were saying it's just like i want economic policies that will favor me and i'm going to turn a blind eye to how that fucks over other people that's you know yeah it, it's the um economic anxiety that we heard a lot about in 2016 yeah because everyone kirk and everybody else like him sells people that uh you know life and economics is a zero-sum game 
you know, and they use that as cover for, you know, what they're really getting. Well, at. I'm talking about mainstream journalists as well. There was a lot of coverage about like so-called economic anxiety. Oh, yes. yes, yes Instead yes. of just calling people what they were, they didn't like gay people. They don't like black people. Mm-hmm. They don't like women. Yeah. Yeah. They well, want, you know, they, I think that's kind of the, the heartbreaking part about a lot of this is like, yes, there is something wrong. Your anger that you're feeling is just, you are just directing it at the wrong source. Oh yeah. And, and <laughs> it, you know, it's an old, that's an old tactic, right? I mean, it, it's been used through centuries. You take one group and play them against another. I mean, hell, European colonial powers did that in, you know, what is now the continent of Africa. And that, you know, set the stage for um, ethnic sectarian violence because they use one group to control mm-hmm. another group. And then, you know, I, I would be... I'm oversimplifying it no matter how I slice it because that's a huge, huge Well, thing it wasn't so long ago that Irish people and Italian people were not considered white. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, Kirk's got no time for that. Charlie Charlie has no time for a nuance like that because Charlie was busy um, being on the commission, the 1776 commission. Dude, I called it. Dude, he and he's the guy, and this is the that's the funny thing. Like Charlie Kirk never went to college. I will no. I, I'm sorry, that's not fair. Charlie Kirk has, holds no degrees from any college or university. He did briefly attend university or college classes. Where? Uh, I think there was a community college somewhere in Illinois, and this was early on. This is like um, pretty early in his career, maybe okay. as late as twenty five. I'm not gonna bash community colleges no but the thing is is that charlie kirk and his ilk make their living literally their living on going on college campuses and really challenging the whole culture of college campuses you you know and then telling conservative students and conservative people uh what to do with their children and it's like dude you've never been there and I, i just conservative students need a safe space on college campuses apparently they do well i mean admittedly one of his guys did get cracked in the face um in berkeley last couple years ago that did happen i mean i'll give him that i mean but you know what you know whatever i will here's no i I can't okay it didn't happen yeah and i can't say that he had it coming no no i'm not gonna endorse that people in the face and yeah that's 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 pretty much where kirk's at through you know after 2016 and so he he focuses a lot on college campuses. It seems like that's correct. where he has identified the so-called radicalization of the left oh. is college campuses. Oh, and now we're going to get to uh CPAC 2020 speech. Thank you for bringing that up. Cuz I so I am a goddamn <laughs> soothsayer fortune teller yeah what's that thing the johnny carson thing when he he's got the hat on probably vaguely racist by today's standards so i'll come up with a better example but yes i have no idea what you're talking okay, about okay better we'll just forget that part of johnny carson so yes you got it so he by cpac 2020 and this is what i was getting at kirk has gone through a full transformation at least publicly he may have always been this way you know there's probably evidence that he was always this way but uh, CPAC 2020 is when he lets it all hang out, right? February of 2020, we don't have COVID restrictions yet. It is the party, the GOP is the party of Trump, okay? And it has changed entirely from what it was, much like Charlie. See, see, the, the changes are kind of parallel, which is funny. 
Charlie gets on the main stage. This is his second year in a row as being one of the featured speakers, and he just he hits the ground running. Uh, at this point, Kirk is playing off the uh, fear of socialism. See, because the theme... Let's th- hear that dirty word. <laughs> well, one of the major themes, it's either this year, or, I think it was last year, of CPAC was America versus socialism. And there's pictures of like Bernie Sanders. Because remember, February, people were pretty sure, or at least hyping Bernie up enough, thinking, oh, he could actually be the candidate. Right. Oh, Bernie. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so anyways, yeah, uh, Charlie, Charlie, he, he, he wastes no time. I push back when people say, well, there's no way that Bernie Sanders could become president of the United States. No, he could win. And I want every conservative activist in this room to get your laughs out of the way and get the mockery out of the way and then get deathly serious because we should not do what the left did in 2016 and dismiss an outsider populist candidate from thinking that person can't win the White House. Because as the great Andrew Breitbart taught us, politics flows downstream from culture. And if we're honest with ourselves, we've been losing culture the last 20 years. We've been losing in the media, we've been losing in Hollywood, we've been losing in academia. I hate the way he keeps using the word culture and talking about Hollywood, okay? Based on everything else I know about this guy and everything that's been reported about this guy and his organization, which apparently, quote, accidentally keeps hiring racist people, right? It's not an accident. Yeah, and it's just like the, the, the culture thing and the, and the Hollywood thing, that just smacks to me of white supremacy and anti-Semitism. I'm sorry, but taking everything that he is, when that's what that says to me. When you put it in context of who he chooses to, uh, like, um, be around, rub yeah. elbows with. Exactly. Oh, yeah. You, you can't help, but think of it in those terms. Right. And, and, and Charlie has gone full out propagandist at this point in 2020, because he's not done with that. That's his whole speech really is talking about radical leftists on campus and stuff like that. Things he never would have said back in his like young tea party days. So he just, he keeps going. And where Senator Sanders gets his base is a limitless supply of millions and millions of students that are entering our university system and they're being turned into activists. And people say, well, where did this shift happen? How did this happen? Well, 30 years ago, we beat communism and we brought down that Berlin Wall. But we we beat communism in Europe, but then communism just came straight on our college campuses. What? Yeah, yes, yes, yes. So this, so, so Kirk is doing a red scare thing. He's doing his own red scare. And he, he is saying that communism is socialism. Some very extreme right wingers, their thing is socialism. Well, and, and they're borrowing from Marx to a point with it. But the, the, the talking point goes socialism will lead to Marxism or, or socialism leads to communism. Communism leads to like authoritarianism, basically. Uh, it's like it's a, the dominoes will fall. Right. So if you start yet, with socialism... <laughs> Yeah, you can look at so many European countries and show that that's not true. Well, and, and I think, and to be fair, they you they would counter that those European countries are capitalists, not socialist, and we're talking about social programs. Um, so, and even if that were true, then what you're talking about here is basically a straw man. No one see. Uh, except for like maybe some very, very hardcore people on the left, no one's actually suggesting we be socialist in the form that they keep telling everyone that like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is saying, right? No one's suggesting like communism. No one's saying there should be collective farms, okay? So getting back to Charlie and CPAC 2012. So he- 2020? 
or 20, thank you. Yeah, I wish it was CPAC 2012. That would have been interesting. But yeah, CPAC 2020. Um, he's gone, he's gone full, like be scared of the communists and, you know, he's recycling, you know, like hawkish Reagan era shit. Um, and, uh, he, he goes on and talks about like different strategies, um, what, what conservative activists can do to combat the, the socialist, um, um, encroachment or, or, or whatever hierarchy of college campuses. So this is, this is his first strategy. People say, Charlie, what can I do? Because I... Also, he does this a lot. And he's like, people say, Charlie, what should I do? As if like everyone's just coming up to him all day. Charlie, you have to help me. But yeah, you're our only hope. You I'm know? surrounded by leftist communists. People want to give... Whatever will I do? People, Charlie, people want to give me health care. And, <laughs> and retirement. <laughs> I'm so scared. So anyway, that's, that's, that's Charlie. Remember the death panels? Oh, God. Anyway. I want CPAC to be a place of action. We're a place where... People make decisions to do something. The left has continually and routinely taken over our school boards all across the country. And if every single conservative in this room got as involved in school board races as we do with national elections, our country would be in a much better place. With getting involved in what they're doing with our textbooks, getting involved in what they're doing at the very elementary local level. No. Yeah. Stay out of the textbooks. Yeah, yeah. Y'all were involved in the rewriting of the textbooks in the South after the Civil War. Thank you, Daughters of the Confederacy. Well, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure it worked out, right? Because as we know, the Civil War had nothing to do with slavery and everything to do with, like, trade and tariffs, right? Well, that is... The only reason why you <laughs> believe that is because of the Daughters of the Confederacy right. literally rewriting history. Right. And then they want to do... There's several states where they wanted to basically make the 16 teaching the 1619 project illegal and saying that you basically could only teach the 1776 commission also isn't that by definition censorship yes yeah. <laughs> it's literally the government telling you yeah. what you can and cannot do and say an actual first amendment violation <laughs> but well it's, I think there's that, probably some nuance to that with public education but that's how it comes to me and also there have been so many reports of textbooks from the south glorifying slavery essentially and basically being like oh it wasn't so bad slaves were considered part of the family no well i mean you know public relations it, actually you know what the first the original word for public relations was propaganda propaganda wasn't a dirty word back in the early 20th century it was a it was a study it was a con it was it was a science you know so yes the public relations one could say propaganda of certain parts of certain people you know, throughout history, you know, they like to literally and figuratively whitewash history, you know? And also history, what we teach in schools is already heavily one-sided yep. in terms of white male representation. Yep. You never, you rarely ever hear about, like you have to take literal college classes or community college classes to learn about all of the amazing things that black people have done for the United States, all of the incredible things women have done in the United States. I literally didn't get classes specifically around those points until I was in college. Maybe that would explain Charlie since he didn't really go to college. <laughs> I mean, like I, I remember I didn't even learn about internment camps, Japanese internment yeah. camps mm -hmm. until I was in junior college. That was a huge 
oversight in my education. Yeah. That should have been taught in co- in high school. Yeah. I didn't know about the labor wars. I didn't know about the Battle of Blair Mountain and the fact that coal miners of West Virginia literally bled and killed and died um, for the sake of, you know, not starving to death because the coal mine operators would, like, give, not pay them a, a living wage and cheat them on their coal. But Yeah, and what about, you know, LGBTQ representation and, um, you know, disability representation in our history? The United States has an insane and incredible history of true patriots fighting to make the generation's after them right future posterity exactly yeah. better yeah for, for yeah. their future generations and we don't hear about that we don't in public schools but you know you're i'm glad you bring that up and you're absolutely right and i think in a way charlie agrees with you because he doesn't think that people should maybe schools overrated so this is this is which leads me to the second strategy of his cpac um <laughs> um speech so this is this is this is this one's kind of interesting. Hold on. Does your kid actually need to go to four-year college? Does I'll tell you, going to some of the quote-unquote best schools in the country and visiting them, I would not send anyone that I care about to those schools. And make make a point. He has no children, and he was never enrolled in any of these best schools. Unless you are willing to play Russian roulette with their their values, we need to ask our high school seniors. Hey, why are you going to college? Not where are you going to college. We need more plumbers and welders, electricians, and HVAC, and policemen, and firefighters, and veterans. And uh, we need far less yeah, yeah. people that I know. are hyper-educated in the humanities and communications and psychology, but they know everything possible about why America's a flawed country, and it seems as if they're, they're the ones that can't find, that are so unhappy and unsettled, and they're saddled with student loan debt. So I find a lot of things wrong with what he just said. First of all, the, to be, okay, go, I will say go. that he is correct in a very specific... Very narrow sense. Yes, very narrow sense. Number one, we should not funnel everyone into college. Agreed. Because Agreed. it is not for everyone. Agree. And number two, trade schools, we need tradespeople. Yes, And also that true. is a very, very viable source of good income. And there is no shame in being a tradesperson. None, and we need more of them. None at all. None so at all. I agree with him in that sense. In that very narrow sense. Yeah, and I agree with him too. But in the... I, no, let me, let me rephrase that. I agree with the words that came out of his mouth. But I think his intent is disingenuous. His, the intent Correct. behind those words yeah. are not what you are talking about. Not what I agree with. So two points. One... All those, all those things, you know, it's like, do you need to go to a four-year, you know, thing? We need, you know, tradespeople, HVAC technician. I was considering that for a while, right? We need police officers, firefighters, and veterans. Okay, so... I don't like how he included veterans. In yeah, that. I was just like... <laughs> I, I, I know what he's getting at, but it still rubs me the wrong way. Well, you know what's really funny is that... He never went to a four. He never graduated from a four-year university, so he's just going off of hearsay and like his his narrow viewpoint of what a university is, which is coming onto campuses as a conservative or ultra right wing at this point, uh, provocateur. And he's also never been a plumber, an HVAC technician, any kind of tradesperson. He's never been a firefighter, a police officer, and he certainly wasn't in the fucking military. Okay, he tried to get into West Point. This is part of his origin story. 
You know, did you know that? Isn't that the same as Madison Cawthorn? Uh, that was the Naval Academy and he was rejected too. So, oh, yeah. wow. This is, ooh. Yeah, you like that? Ooh, someone so, needs to write so, an article about all of these like white young dudes getting rejected, rejected the by the military. So, and yeah, and, and this is a big part of Charlie Kirk, which is, you know, and he, he doesn't really refute this point. In fact, he kind of mentions sort of like laughingly that it's sort of funny that he never went to a university. But a part of his thing, part of his brand now is saying that universities teach too much liberal um, propaganda. And, you know, to an extent, they're they're worthless for somebody who wants to think like a conservative. Uh, so he downplays it, but it's just like that, that... The fact that he did try to go to West Point and was rejected, right? And then at one point in one of his early speeches, he mentions that he got, he tries to claim that he got in, but his slot was then given to somebody because of affirmative action, effectively, is what wow. he said. Okay. But then he walked that back later on when he became more famous, saying that, oh, I'm just repeating something that somebody told me, like, like as if some insider at West Point would take the time to tell young Charlie Kirk, hey, we were going to give it to you, but there was a guy or or a woman or somebody who didn't look like you that needed the spot more. Like, that's Dude, what he intimated. Madison Cawthorn tried to do the same thing. Oh, the, oh, the, uh, about the Naval Naval Academy. He tried to imply that, um, like his accident happened before he was rejected. Yes. And actually he was rejected before he got into the, or I I wouldn't say he got into the car accident. He was in the, he was in the the accident. Yes. 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 And also, by the way, there's no shame in being nominated, uh, to the Naval Academy or West Point and, and you end up not getting, yeah, and that's a very, I mean, they've got really it's high It's supposed standards. to be competitive. Yeah, it's just like, dude, there's no shame in that. But anyways. But basically, they're trying to get that, like, veteran legitimacy. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that's the one, G- that's the one program that the GOP loves is the military, you know? I mean... Well, as you can see it just by funding. Well, well, because, but only in a defensive, like defend the nation thing. Cause there's also the nationalism thing where it's just like, we're going to cloister ourselves and we need a military to defend us from everyone else. So that's necessary if you're a nationalist type and you don't believe in global cooperation. So yeah, that's, uh, that, that's, I just find that funny that he suggests all those things. So, um, also, may I point out that there's nothing wrong with, knowing the shortcomings and the bad history of your nation no knowing that history informs your activism work today and like lights that fire in you to make it better for future generations he would say that you are that is a slippery slope and you are going down the path of socialism and you're messing with our culture blind loyalty to the state is a problem Kirk has blind loyalty to Trump at this point, right? It's in all his rhetoric. He's he's no longer nonpartisan. He's very much a Trump person. And um, he he signals that, by the way, his Trump virtue signal, so to speak, <laughs> is uh, he, he, he starts to, you know, he, he really drums up the rage. Because among other things, CPAC is a fundraiser. You know, people hawk their books and, and you know, tell people donate to my cause. And that's part of what Kirk's doing. And since he's all in with Trump, he's got, so we're going to see Holly doing that. Probably CPAC. maybe, but, but for Charlie, this is what he had to say. This really came out of nowhere during his 2020 speech. When I go to these campuses, I see a preview of where America is heading. Whatever happens on college campuses will soon happen in the halls of Congress. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and Rashida Tlaib and Ayanna Presley and Ilan Omar 
They are a harbinger for things to come. They have bitter resentment for the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world. He does, Citation needed. He does not specifically say what he's talking about, but you hear those boos, right? I'm sure if you pressed him, he because again, he's a smart guy. He He's very good at at retaining things and reciting them off of memory, just off the top of his head. He's very good at that. I'm sure he would give you some examples um, of like, you know, tweets or policy positions or something like Again, that. But the fact that he names those those people. The right? squad. Exactly. You know, women, POCs, anyone who's vulnerable, you know, relative, you know, in history and in reality, and relative to him. They're more on like democratic socialists. Oh, most definitely. They're not, they're not um, mainstream establishment Democrats. Right. Exactly. And so they're easy. And they're young. Well, they're easy targets because CPAC is is what it is. You know, uh, yeah, people were booing and and yeah, they they are they're they're easy. You know, he's not going to go after um, somebody a bit more seasoned. And well, actually, that's not true. He goes after Mitt Romney. So uh, but that that's kind of easy at this point. It's the one Republican with a backbone. The one. Yeah. Well, somewhat of a backbone so which is so weird that we started out talking about 2012 and like now like you want to see like a change mitt romney from 2012 to now well and which is to say a change in the gop from 2012 to now also you know like, yeah maybe he hasn't the, changed yeah he hasn't changed it's, it's like Robert, <laughs> right the one constant in yeah. this world is mitt romney his level of assholeness <laughs> stayed the same when that Overton, like the Overton window was just moving and like, he's no longer like in the picture anymore. <laughs> so anyways. he was our first low clap recipient. Yeah. So Charlie keeps going, uh, in 2020 and he's, after he's done with the squad, then he, he invokes God and brags about Trump's achievements. So we're presented a choice where we have been given a gift. I truly believe this from God when president Trump won that election in November of 2016. And we have, the results to show for it. Lest us not forget, Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, 170 circuit court judges, lowest ever black unemployment, Latino unemployment, Asian American unemployment, 10 million Americans off food stamps, energy independence, VA Accountability Act, right to try, prison reform, Qasem Soleimani is dead, al-Baghdadi is dead, the embassies in Jerusalem, Golan Heights are recognized, he spoke at the March for Life now twice, we've cut planning the, funding to Planned Parenthood. America is in a renaissance period. Once again, we've been no. given a gift from this administration and what they have done. So some of that's true. So, I mean, technically speaking, some of those things are true. Some of those things are not true. A Funding renaissance was, yeah. is a dog whistle. Yep, 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 yep. And like most of that stuff that he talked about was like half true or was true and bad. Yeah. Like, take, yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, like taking funding from Planned Parenthood, I, 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 maybe this is a hot take, but that was bad. It's okay. bad. You know, it's uh, just objectively bad. Yeah, millions of people off food stamps. That that actually did happen. Uh, and what, it's bad. That is also bad. Um, the, it's the, not like they magically didn't become poor anymore. Yeah, the VA Accountability Act. Uh, Trump um, exa greatly exaggerated what was going on. It was designed as a way to, uh, you know, fire. It really, it was in the spirit of it was to get rid of executive officials in the VA who were bad at their jobs. And I think like three out of thousands who may have been related to that, that legislation have been fired. Like three executive. And the rest of them are like nurse aides and stuff like that. So, yeah. So that's that's Kirk. And then he finishes off. Right. We got we're, we're going to wrap this up. So Kirk finishes off with a rhetorical question and then does what he does, the thing that was really the point of this whole exercise and really the point of his existence at this point, which was to plug his book. We have to ask ourselves a question as a conservative movement. Are we going to revert back to the party of the status quo ruling class? 
of Mitt Romney, of open borders, making China continually get rich, and just being a technocratic governing ruling class? Or are we going to learn from what I call the MAGA doctrine? The MAGA yeah. doctrine, which is a doctrine of American renewal, revival. No. One that America no. is the greatest country in the history of the world. <laughs> one of American sovereignty that believes in the working class. A conservative movement that believes in people that shower before work and after work. I don't know what that is. A conservative is. movement that is not afraid to Just challenge the tech companies, Hollywood, the media. Not afraid to challenge the, the cartel of the colleges. Yeah. Yeah. God, the so college that, cartel. So the MAGA doctrine is literally the title of his book. This speech was given in the last week of February. His book was released the first week of March that year. So that's what all this is about. All this is about is selling a book. And, you know, in I, I couldn't include it, but part of the speech he talks about, I am going to get Trump. I'll do everything I can to get Trump reelected. I fucking bet you were because if you write a book called The MAGA Doctrine, yeah. you pushed all your chips in the middle. And bet on Donald Trump, you know, or at the very least, the rage machine that Donald Trump enhanced, you know, that existed before Trump, but man, he made it way, way worse, you know? And so, yeah, that, that was, that was Kirk. He went from non in 2012, he goes all the way from nonpartisan, quote unquote, nonpartisan economic issues for young people, which, you know, if I could parse out like the, the, you know, the historically racist parts of that, I might be even be able to get behind, right. To just full on like an age, a sycophant of Trump. That's all he is. So I'm very curious now that, oh, one last thing. Remember Joe Walsh? Yeah. The representative. Mm -hmm. So he was, a, he was one of the guys that sort of launched Charlie Kirk among others. And after he got in with Trump, like, um, Joe Walsh gave an interview, I believe it was 2018 or 2019. I'll link the article, but it was for like an Illinois publication, which was like a publication for conservatives by their own, um, advertising and this is what joe walsh had to say about charlie kirk after after the ascension of donald trump um hopefully this this clip's kind of long so hopefully i get this one right kirk i kirk i charlie kirk in tp usa i've been on their board of advisors from the very beginning i've been a speaker from the very beginning i love charlie and i love the organization the problem is it's a non-partisan non-political organization that is all about the issues, freedom and limited government, free markets. Um, we're not, TPS USA should never be tied to any politician, whether that politician is Donald Trump or Ronald Reagan. Uh, Charlie right now, all, all good for him, he's, he's pretty much tied to the Trump administration. Um, and that's, I don't think that's an appropriate position for an outside organization like TPUSA to be. So that's that's my only objection. Charlie's chosen that course. That's fine, um, but I, I, I don't I don't think that's proper. And so it's probably best that I kind of step away from the. So he's talking. It, it goes on for a while. Um, I'll link it. You can listen to the full audio clip. It's it's kind of rough. It's about three something minutes long. So. Yeah, that's uh, that's Joe Walsh talking about he resigned from TPUSA because Charlie just was praising Trump too much. And since then, like since that was in June of 2018, since then, like Joe Walsh has sent out tweets basically just calling out Charlie Kirk for being what he's become. Interesting that this is happening more and more because I'm thinking about Holly's mentor and oh, basically um, calling him a dumbass. Yeah. And like, I mean, 
he didn't actually do that, but well, no, he took, it was he, the gist of what he was saying. Yeah, no, his his mentor, the former GOP uh, senators, basically said that Hawley was pretty much his one of his worst mistakes, mm-hmm. you know. So yeah, so that was part one, and uh, what a journey for Charlie Kirk and all of us. So we're, there's going to be a part two because I'm very I'm curious now that Trump's out of power where Kirk is going to go, and we're going to cover a little bit more of Charlie and the insurrection and that stuff in part two. It's just we're we, we're already over. So real quick, um, Anna, Charlie Kirk from 2012 to now is grifter or um, ideologue slash propagandist slash you know true believer. Where do you think he's at? I don't. Probably both. A little bit of both. Yeah, I'd agree. If you it, would you say one is stronger than the other? True believer versus grifter. Well, he's been making money. A lot of money. Yeah, I'm. I don't know. I kind of think maybe a little bit more of a grift these days, mm-hmm. just because without Trump in power, you know, he's trying to grab onto that like MAGA money, if you will, literally, and um. So I feel like that he might be amping up his rhetoric, especially uh, specifically to appeal to like the QAnon block. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to hear his 2021 CPAC. Yes. And that will uh, be speech. Yeah. yeah. And that'll be, uh, I believe, February 26th, if I'm not mistaken, like that weekend, 26, 27, 28. So... Also, yeah. Um, yeah. before I forget, like we mentioned um, Ginny Thomas, yeah. like way back. Okay. Um, there's a really interesting opinion, CNN opinion piece mm-hmm. about her. We'll link it in the description box. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it talks a lot about, because um, I mentioned that she's was sort of a supporter of what happened mm-hmm. on, on January 6th. Yeah. This goes into that um, and some of the other... Um, less than savory things that she's done oh okay yeah, um I'm so i will i will will link that in in the description below sounds good sounds good and i uh, just want to say to everyone again thank you for listening i know we ran long today we, yeah, tr- we try to keep that. it yeah we try to keep it an hour and this was only part one of the eventual two-parter of charlie kirk but i think it's important because there's a lot to go over as it runs in parallel to the ascension of Donald Trump and what the GOP becomes. I didn't even touch on the fact that Nick Fuentes and the Goyper army or whatever, they, yeah, yeah, they mock Charlie Kirk and, and, um, Oh, what's that other? Anyway, they, uh, Charlie Kirk and, um, Ben Shapiro as being shills, like not far enough to the right. (laughs) So, and it's funny because Nick, Nick Fuentes is younger than Charlie Kirk. So it's like, you know, coming right up on your heels, Charlie, here's another man. Yeah. yeah, Here's another young go-getter who is a white nationalist. So that's, that's where this is going. Yeah. We're not being hyperbolic by no, no. Nick Fuentes is a white nationalist. Uh, (laughs) That's fact. No, it is. It is, is fact. It is my opinion. It is whatever you want to call it, but it's true. Based on what I, (laughs) based on what I know about Nick Fuentes, the guy is a white nationalist. So do we have any, uh, slow clap Mitt Romney recipients Mm, this week? Mitt Romney for, cause I guess. I don't know. Any Republican who actually... Uh... Well, there were six Republicans that voted that the um, uh, impeachment is constitutional. Um, I'll list them in the show notes, so... Yeah, doing your job. Go six Republicans. Didn't include Mitch McConnell. He voted that it was unconstitutional. Of course. All right. Thank you again, everyone, for listening. Uh, you can follow the show on Twitter at Consequence Pod. You can follow me on Twitter at Stop Talking Matt. 
And uh, damn it, I'm going to stop procrastinating and make a website. So stay tuned for that. Uh, and please, if you're liking the We're show, we're going to get a website. We will get a website. <laughs> um, but in the meantime, uh, if you're liking the show, uh, throw us some five star ratings, please. Uh, write a nice review on iTunes uh, or wherever you listen to this podcast. And uh, you know what? And maybe, tell us how much you like our intro and outro music. Hell yeah. And maybe even text one friend uh, who you think might want to join in on the conversation because. You know, just the more people who are at least, even if they disagree with us, just focusing on this type of thing will help move the conversation forward and bring us back from the hellscape that Charlie Kirk is driving us towards on his TPUSA bus that was paid for by the Koch brothers and Dark Money and whatnot. So, like I said, Prager's in there somewhere. <sighs> All right. Until then, everyone, keep your heads down and listen to some brand new outro music to soothe your day. <laughs>